What's going on, everybody? Happy Memorial Day, and welcome to episode 258 of the Pesky Report, presented by Beyond the Monster. My name is Brandon Brewer, and joining me today is El Rey de los Mios Rojos Twitter, El Eduardo Mano, all the way from Mexico City, Mr. Ed Hand. What's up, Ed? Hola, hola. No, I'm not. My Spanish isn't good enough for me to do uh, much more than that. But yeah, no, I'm doing this episode from Mexico City. Uh, thank you so much for being flexible with the timing. Uh, we're recording early in the morning, which we uh, don't usually do. We usually do things uh, in, 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 you know, like the late afternoon at the absolute earliest. But uh, I think we all had some scheduling issues this week, and it, this kind of fell into place well. Uh Happy Memorial Day. Um, I recently learned that Memorial Day and Veterans Day, like even though they're both for military are different because Veterans Day is for the living and Memorial Day is for the dead. Um, so Correct. just shout out to my uh, my grandfather who was a sergeant in the army in World War II and my uncle who was a uh, mechanic in the Air Force in Vietnam. Um, yeah, just one of, one of those days that like yes we get to do barbecues and that stuff and not work and it's great but there's also a reason to it for it and it's uh, good to remember those people on this day yeah thank you for saying that because that is a, a very important distinction between the two and I, I think a lot of people just chalk it up as like oh it's another military holiday and don't really understand but it's in the name memorial day you remember those that that didn't come back and uh that's it is it is near and dear to me as uh, you know you guys know I was a uh, I was in the Marine Corps I'm a Marine Corps veteran I served eight years multiple deployments and uh, I have several friends that that we remember on on this day so that it's it is significant and then um, also joining us on this episode that appears to have dropped off during the introductions is Hogdale so hopefully he comes back on at some point and is able to join us on here as well because he woke up extra early just to come on here and uh talk with us oh he said his internet crapped out he'll be oh. back in a moment okay okay so we'll we'll move forward and uh when he gets on we'll we'll get his initial thoughts about the weekend and and what's going on with him but ed tell us a little bit about mexico city what's going on down there oh i'm having a blast um so my sister's lived here since 2008 um and this is my first time visiting her since um uh, the pandemic started um I was actually, I did New Year's 2020 in Mexico, uh, in uh, Oaxaca, and it was like, wow, this is going to be a great year. Oh my God, this beach is awesome. They're shooting fireworks off eight feet away from us. This is, we're having so much fun. Um, well, surely we'll be back here very soon. And then the pandemic hit and that didn't happen. Um, but I'm happy to be back. Um, this is, so she has a place here and then in a, um, it's kind of like a college town called Guanajuato. Like uh, I think it's like six hours south of uh, Mexico City. Um, so I've I've been to both of those now. It's uh, it's just a, it's a really cool city. Um, her neighborhood's fantastic. I think I've seen more dogs here in, like the last three days than like in Boston in the last year. There's just so many dogs and dog parks, and it's uh, it's it's pretty great. I keep on like I, I think like I, I keep on being just like El Pequeño, El Pequeño to every dog that I see right now, and uh, hopefully I don't get arrested at some point because I'm not sure that's as socially acceptable for me to um, uh, have conversations with people's dogs here. Uh, but yeah, no, it's food's been awesome. We've been to like three. To, I've been to a bunch of different museums. Um, seriously, if you get the chance, the anthropology stuff here is incredible. Um, like really, just genuinely incredible. Uh, 
And like, I even got to, I wanted to go to the Frida Kahlo Museum because I still haven't been to that. And I didn't get to go to that because I uh, couldn't get tickets. But I did go to the Leon Trotsky Museum yesterday. And that was pretty, uh, very nice. That was my kind of museum because it's like 20 minutes, but it's like very information intensive. So like you're there for a little bit and then you're done. And all the while you have poor Tim trapped in your basement back home. So yeah. Yeah. It's a Tim. wild story. Yeah, no, he's uh, he was insolent, so he's in my uh, mystery murder maze, and I'm not letting him out until he learns his lesson. Well, you could at least leave him some Wheaties and water next time. Maybe you can call uh, and have Penny go downstairs and give him some some uh, Wheaties and water because he's he's starving him. down there. It sounds like I made him money. He's listen. The whole thing was set up so that he could <laughs> learn to be like self sufficient. There's plenty of fungi down there that he can eat. There's like some demon spawn that if he kills them he's got his protein right there like this is up on him okay it's not i gave him oh. a knife like he should be fine like listen we warned him like this is what happens when you troll too much on twitter like yeah um, it's like this was well foreshadowed in advance yeah he knew this was coming like and he's got a this is a coming of age story like that movie <laughs> labyrinth except for he's trapped in a labyrinth and there's no david bowie <laughs> no david bowie is a sad thing it really is. you know he, he already chimed in, but uh, also Hogdale was able to reconnect to the interwebs, and he has now officially joined us on this on this wonderful episode. Hogdale, what's up with you this morning? Oh, not much. It's funny that we hit the, literally the moment you clicked record, my internet was like, no, Moss, I'm done. <laughs> this moment, I'd like to leave. Dude, that happened to me last week when we had Christopher Troy on, and I was like supposed to be hosting, and... We did like the music. It starts going through and as soon as the soundtrack ends. I just get booted from it. <laughs> it's just like, like I, think, I think Jake just like stepped in and was fine because he's extremely competent. But it was just like, oh, my God, is this really happening right now? That is the worst. Like when when you're supposed to be the one running the show, but then your Internet's the one that's flaking out. It's happened to me several times. It, it happens to you. I'm sure it happens to Brad. It it's just part of recording a podcast over the internet. It's sometimes it just doesn't cooperate, but we move. We move and things are fine. Indubitably so, we do move. So in typical weekend show fashion, we get to talk about another winning series. If you only listen to the pesky report after the weekend, you would think that this is the best baseball team on planet earth because we win pretty much every single weekend. It's However, funny because they haven't won a Sunday game, I think, in three weeks, but they keep winning those series. Except for the one that, that, it was like the Cardinals the one that we two, were like yeah. that we that we will pretend didn't happen, but other than that. That's the only losing series we've had all year on the weekend was that Cardinal series. Did, did yeah, one you, of us you, do something wrong that week? We must have. We must have done something wrong to to have have the baseball gods just be upset at us or something. Probably Hogdale. Probably. Probably. That, that That's out. fair. <laughs> Check out. <laughs> so Red Sox went to Arizona this weekend to play against uh, Los Serpentinos. And those jerseys are awesome, by the way, whenever they, they wear those Serpentinos jerseys. I love those. But uh, the Red Sox took two out of three from the aforementioned Diamondbacks. They won the Friday night and the Saturday night game, but then lost the Sunday game in, in typical fashion. And never win that getaway game, but um, the bats woke up in game one. So, Hogdale, watching that game, how stoked are you that Tristan Cassis's bat is starting to come around? 
I mean, it really has been for like the entire like month of May, like when you look at his May statistics. And I do think it's really funny that the centrist and Cass's down discourse has happened in the month where by far he's been the best, which just shows, you know, maybe uh, a section of the fan base, like they may or may not be watching the games, which, you know, we, I mean, who watches baseball games? Seriously, like when we talk, you think we watch the games? Are you insane? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> watch the game. Shut up, nerd. Like, fucking. <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, it's nice. I mean, through the month of May, I'm pretty sure he has a 130 WRC plus. I'm pretty sure he's the only Red Sox in this series to record at least one hit in every single game. He's really finding it out there. He's making hard contact. And uh, that horrific bad bit block is starting to turn around. And I'm really happy for him. He also plays a steady first base. I, when I look at the advanced statistics on him, like when you see like his outs above average, or like first percentile, I'm like, is that, that doesn't make sense. Like I'm watching these games and he doesn't look that bad at all at first. He's like a competent first baseman. Maybe, maybe outs above average is like a scale of every defender. So like, you know, in, inherently first base is a less valuable position. So maybe, but I don't know. I mean, that's how it ends up affecting more. Like first baseman just by default lose uh, quite a bit on more. I think they started negative four or something like that. But like, but yeah, Chris, Tristan Cassis has made a bunch of great plays at first base this year, like in terms of like just bailing out everyone who's throwing over to him. So well, yeah, I mean, you can't. I mean, when you're like a like like 18 feet tall, it's kind of hard to throw over the guy. Yeah, it's like, how do you miss him? Like you just it's you can't. He has his own gravitational pull. Can you explain why first basemen start with a negative war? I mean, it's just basically the theory that like an inherent value like when you look at like the most valuable positions like center like center field or shortstop like they automatically start with the base boost because those positions are inherently more difficult to play like so it's that's why uh like mike trout was so like easily able to like get a bunch of war like in his earlier seasons because like he had an amazing bat and also he played a good center field so a good center field is inherently more valuable than even a great first baseman because you're saving more runs. And it's basically yeah. just like that kind of logic, but like with every position on the field, like your know, shortstop's more valuable than third base and second base, so on and so forth. Well, this is where I disagree about first base being less valuable because I think like we've seen how costly a bad first baseman can be like with Frenchie Cordero last year, or even to an extent, Bobby Dalbeck. Um, you know, like, like Cassis is making routine plays that they weren't making, and it, it's a big difference. It's they're, they're winning a lot closer games because you don't have to worry about like if I make a slightly off center throw, like he'll catch it. You know. Um, yeah, but do you remember the defensive impact of having a bad center fielder out there last year? His name was Jaron Duran. He was very bad last year in center, and that's just an auto lose if you have a bad center fielder. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's true. I just I'm not saying that center field isn't more important than first base. I just think it's weird to start a first baseman in the negatives. It's kind of mean. That, <laughs> and yeah, and that, it's like like why are we bullying first basemen? Because they're fat. And that's, what, that's what I was. That's what I was kind of getting at. Is like it is kind of strange that a first baseman would be considered a negative at the beginning of the season, and they have to climb their way out of an immediate hole. I mean, unless you're giving them points on their war for every time they catch a ball that's thrown to them to record an out, and that's why it's offset. But I don't think that's the case. Yeah, I wish I wish I knew more about like how some of the defensive metrics are actually determined with war. I don't. Um, it really is something I need. I should probably try to read a little more about, though. Who's time for that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Who has time for reading? <laughs> Fucking nerds. Ed's out here cruising the world, going on international trips in the middle of the the spring, just just to stay in shape. <laughs> Literally, I, I I am doing a lot of traveling this year. I'm going to be up in uh, in Canada for my bachelor party. I'm going to Aruba for my honeymoon. Yeah, I guess I'm a I'm a, I'm a man of the world now, an international, international man, man of mystery. mystery. Oh, we're <laughs> so yeah, baby, yeah. Oh, and now we're back to Austin Powers. It's all oh, yeah, it's Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> so as other, <laughs> we're we're not going down this rabbit hole again. Yeah. Foxy Cleopatra is not coming back. Yeah. Um, wait, wait, you guys have seen Austin? That's a very niche movie. I don't know. Have we seen is. that one? I don't know. I know if the public seen that one. Niche movie. Maybe we should. Uh, Line for line, go over the plot of that movie once again. Not again. Okay, it wasn't go enough forward. doing that move last forward. time. Jesus Christ, not again. <laughs> um. So so yeah, Cass has had a good game, and uh, I I noticed through watching some of the the highlight packages that MLB TV puts out that the Arizona Diamondbacks broadcast kept mentioning the fact that Kike Hernandez and Justin Turner were Diamondback killers when they were with the Dodgers. And every like even the 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 Diamondbacks fans booed Justin Turner <laughs> because of the the impact. And Justin Turner had a really good series as well. He was another guy that was getting hits cons- consistently, driving in RBIs in multiple games. And and Kike had a big home run in this first game. So maybe there is something to it. Maybe these guys are Diamondback killers. Maybe they just really hate snakes. Oh, does this mean that we have to talk about Indiana Jones again? Um, stop. <laughs> stop. No. Did no. you know that they're doing an Indiana Jones bobblehead for Justin Turner this year? Like the Red Sox song? What, seriously? Yeah. No, it's like a serious giveaway. That's awesome. That makes sense. If he hates snakes he this hates bad, snakes. then boom, bringing it all together. Full maybe circle. maybe, maybe we need to start referring to American League East teams as snake names. That way, Justin Turner will go out there and kill all of them, too. Oh, I like that. Gives me a good reason to watch Kill Bill again. No, I'm not going into another movie uh, description. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, Turner's been... You know, you, you know um, I was thinking about this with Kike. He hit that big home run in the first game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is yep. like his first home run, I, I think, of the entire month. And if Kike goes on one of those tears that we've seen him go on before... That's going to be really key for an offense that's just been struggling for the last two weeks. Like, they need somebody to go off. There isn't anybody. And Cassis has been very good, but it's, like, his home runs aren't really coming. Like, he keeps just missing them. And he's getting hits and he's getting on base, but the the RBIs aren't quite there. They need someone that can just finish, you know? Just knock knock him in when there are runners on base. And if uh, Hernandez can get going, that's something he can... He can pick up RBIs in a hurry. You've seen that before. That and some guy named uh, Adam Duvall is expected back in around a week, and we know that that guy can swing a big bat whenever he's right. So that's nuts because I saw that too. He's Arroyo's rehabbing too. Uh, he went two for four yesterday with a double in uh, in AAA. And I think Yu Chang started his rehab, but then he was feeling more hand pain, so they were like, "Okay, let's take it easy there, you." Yep. Yeah, um, back him off. Um, Reyes is doing fine at short right now. So, yeah, who gets who do you drop down for Duval when he comes back? That's going to be an interesting one. Uh, I almost 
by default want to say Tapia, but Tapia's been good. So it's it's hard to hard to cut him loose, you know. I think you almost have to you almost have to just designate Duran for now, you know? He's been slumping. I don't like that though. Like I don't like, either, but the option like do you do you, would you feel what would you feel more comfortable doing? Okay. You send down Duran, you can call him back later. You send down Tapia, someone else claims him he's not on the team anymore. That's a the good point. Is, it, if Duran has options, that probably makes more sense. The thing is, though, is like, I, I don't know, what kind of message does that send, like, to Duran especially? And, like, what does that do to his mental state where it's like, oh, the second you're slumping, I get the fuck out of your kid. Like, <laughs> you're not, you're not wrong. It's not, it's certainly not an ideal situation, but the other options, like, are you going to send, are you going to send down Rob Refsnyder? No. No, absolutely not. You can't. He's a. Yeah. And then with Arroyo, you've got to send someone down too. Is that going to be like Pablo Reyes? He doesn't have any options. Because it's not like Jaron Duran's the Jaron Duran of last year where it's like, he's not hitting. So he provides no value. Like he's really cleaned it up with the glove. He's more than a positive with the glove now. And he's a good base runner. So I don't disagree. I don't disagree (laughs) at all. It's just a, it's a, it's a hard decision. Plus, I just yeah, I just want to see him like you know really work through a slump for the first time like in this kind of situation, where like uh, I really do think do think he's a changed player, like in terms of like just his entire vibe and aura. So yeah, I just uh, I don't know. Like, it would suck to lose Toppy, but at the same time, like I don't know. Like uh, I feel like this is a really crucial point in Jaron Duran's career and like the development for who he can be as a player. I wonder how much. Just like the Red Sox fandom in general has changed on Duran because I like you know it was an ongoing joke like your your rage for Duran and now you're you know like you're you, you see a different player in him and I'm curious if that's um if that's true for most Red Sox fans or if I mean I really think they should like attention. I, it's like literally like it's just, he's just done a complete 180 every criticism I had of him like last year he's completely changed on he was lost in like the out in the field last season. And like this year, 80th, I like 88th percentile outs above average. Uh, he's one of the best defensive center fielders in the league. And in terms of base running value, he, has, he already has what, seven stolen bases? Again, like last year, he was tepid on the bases. He was unsure. He didn't know what to do. He wasn't really confident in his decision making. Complete opposite now. So like, to, I, I really want him to stay up and figure it out. Genuinely. So who do you who do you move down for Duvall? It probably would be Tapia. Tapia. I probably Tapia. would, and I do hate that because he has been a productive player. But I I just like at this point I like Duran better. I think he does everything Tapia does, but either has a higher ceiling or just does it better in general. Fair. That's kind of where I am too. I kind of side with Hogdale on this, and I like Tapia. I think he's been a, an excellent plug and play type guy for this team. You can plug him into literally any outfield position. But it seems like Duran's outplayed him slightly, and Tapia is just the odd man out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate to be in that situation, but it's also kind of fortunate at the same time. It's good, yeah, uh, surplus goods. That's another thing is like when like Christian Royo gets back, like I don't want Emmanuel Valdez sent down. Like he's hit oh, so I well. Do. <laughs> no, come on. He's been, he's I like Valdez, but I think he needs a little more uh a little more seasoning. Like he really only works against right-handed pitching too. So I yeah. and, you know, like he's someone that I wow. think will come back up later, but I'm I'm not quite as high on the Emmanuel Valdez trade as everybody else is. D- disgusting. How dare you? I, I, 
I kind of agree with Ed on this one. So <laughs> I, I, I see his point. I think uh, Valdez, while he has been good in certain moments, there are also moments when he's not been that great. Defense has been a little improved, but it's not been you know as good as what Arroyo can provide at second base. And I think uh, a, a middle infield of Reyes and Arroyo will be serviceable until Chang and or Trevor Story can come back. Oh, yeah. that was a that was a story that came out. Was the fucking he's being built up as a shortstop? Common sense prevails. Thank fucking god. <laughs> no, that's re- as soon as I heard they were he was getting the um like the ligament uh, like what what what's the thing that they did with like the thing that they put in his elbow? Why am it's I forgetting like, well, what this is called? What is it like a reinforcement? Pretty much. Yeah. Like like a- the, yeah, yeah. Like as soon as I heard that, it's like oh, he's coming back as a shortstop, and that's um. That's huge. That is because yeah. we saw how good his defense was at second base. If you have him as a shortstop there and he can actually make the throws, like that's good. That's the that's, thing. If, that's if he's if he's able to make that throw, like you know, after he dives and pops up when he's in the hole, or can make that throw on the run ac- accurately, and you know, pop up on his knees and make the throw, or whatever the case is that he has to do. If he's making those consistently, that glove is going to play always. And we know that pop in the bat will be huge for this lineup. He's like the missing ingredient. Like literally yeah. it's just, he makes the Red Sox lineup just so much better. Like the, the lefty righty yeah. stuff, like just, it's going to be perfect. Like I cannot wait to get story back. Plus he's just such a fun player to watch. Like yeah. he's a hell of an athlete. Between him and Duvall, like that's really, that's exciting. And it seems like they have enough depth now that they've been able to, withstand a lot of uh a lot of those injuries like i think i think like just some of these little moves that have gone under the radar have been really nice like um you know just like reyes obviously i think Chang turned out to be a really nice signing even if the batting average isn't there um the defense of the power certainly were um and then you look at some of the bullpen guys that they've brought in just off of waivers like bernardino and um i've really liked that justin garza guy i think garza's looked I think that might that's like a real big league middle reliever there. I think he's looked really good. I mean, he throws so hard for somebody who's like five eleven. And like what like all of the bigger sightings from the soft season have panned out. <laughs> Which usually like Looks doesn't like happen. Nah, he doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> I've decided he doesn't count. Oh wow. Well that how merciful of you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Hogdale has spoken. So. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. While we're on the topic, while we're on the topic of pitchers, Chris Sale had another decent outing in uh, that Friday night game. He went five innings, allowed four hits and one earned run. Strikeout numbers were a little bit down for Chris Sale, but he was getting out of innings and he was he was moving. Yeah, and he also like didn't crap his pants throughout the game, even though he had like a really bad uh, stomach bug throughout it, which. You know, like that's impressive in its own right. Like I did, if you had told me, like not you, but like if I hadn't heard he was sick going into that game, I would have had no no idea. Like he, his velocity was a little bit down, but he was still turning it up 96, 97 when he needed to. Um, and yep. he just, he did what he had to. And that's like, he has, something's clicked with him and he's be, become like, a, he's become the workhorse that they've needed him to be. And that is, that the offense isn't quite, on right now, but that is something that they needed so badly. Dude, when is the Red Sox dietitian going to stop Chris Sale from shotgunning beers and eating hot wings? 
Like, man, this man's stomach's too weak. Just help him out, guys. Help him help himself. Come on. <laughs> Listen, man, rituals are important. And if he's going <laughs> to, yeah. he's going to, it's not even that he's sh- shotgunning beers and eating hot wings. He's shotgunning just like the hot sauce. <laughs> yeah, he's shotgunning hot sauce. Yeah, it's is, not advisable. You want to see some flames? Let, let's let's not start the rumors that we have chicken wings and beer in the in the dugout again. <laughs> we, we, we don't want to revisit that storyline. That's again. a deep cut. That is a deep cut. <laughs> we we do not want to revisit that circa 2011. Was no, that when that was? We're bringing it back, but it's in a positive light this time. 2012. <laughs> Ugh. It has been so nice to see the Chris Sale turn around. Like he he like really is just back. It's it's insane. He looks like his old self again, which is yeah. just the best case scenario. I know they they even said on the broadcast that many people that are familiar with Chris Sale's game are saying that he's back to the the version of himself that was a a, a Cy Young candidate year in and year out, and that's good to hear that you know so many people are seeing this and they're like, Oh, he's actually back. And it's not just us Red Sox fans that are saying, Oh, he's back waiting on the next implosion. Yeah, remember when he got DFA back in April by like the entire Red Sox fandom? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, true. I was like, I was like, I don't recall that. Like, wait, did that happen? <laughs> that was that, was that something only in the Mexican times? Like, I don't remember that one. <laughs> No, it was just people were so pissed off that he was getting hit like his first two starts. And it was like, you know, he hasn't pit, really pitched in about four years, like at full power. Like he's, he was tempted to go through all this rehabbing to get back. This year he had like a real spring training to kind of get his, get his stuff back. And the command wasn't there. And, you know, sometimes like uh, rehab happens at its own pace for some guys. And that's true for, Tommy job surgery. It's true for it's true for anybody. And also, you know, it uh, helps that he's not breaking his bones by you know participating in extreme motocross just to get uh, a Starbucks you know cup of coffee. It's a pre- <laughs> listen. I appreciate that Hyam Bloom didn't lift him up over his head and throw him into moving traffic again. That was a really good executive <laughs> move, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm even more happy he didn't just you know go full Bane and just like you know <laughs> like break break his back like a glow stick. <laughs> Classic Hyam. Yeah. Yeah. Again, he's an intimidating guy. <laughs> we also had uh, another game where Josh Winkowski had a three innings out of the bullpen performance, and this is this is starting to become a, the normal for Winkowski and uh, also for Cutter Crawford, who had a, a pretty good stint out of the bullpen in Game Two of this series. But they actually, ha- oh, sorry, Brandon. I, I was just going to say, like, how amazing is it that we have? relievers that we can trust to go out there for multiple innings and hold leads even in close games like uh uh cutter crawford was able to do in in the second game yeah it's an interesting bullpen design you have um you know you have winkowski who can go three but you could also use him for like one at a high leverage spot you have crawford Mm -hmm. who's going two to three every outing you have pavetta who won three in game three and they didn't win but he kept them in the game with three scoreless innings that's a good point yeah you have Kluber, who they haven't used yet, who theoretically they could use in like a blowout or something right now. Um, so that's like half of your pen are guys that can go distance, can, like distance outings. But if you have that many of them, then you can you can kind of save your other guys, like with um, you know your one inning guys like the Jansons and Martins and 
it's like Jansen Martin, Garza, and Rodriguez, I think, would be the one-inning guys with Schreiber presumably coming back at some point. And you got Brady's favorite guy, Barbarino. Yeah, Barbarino. Barbarino, well, <laughs> he's in AAA right now. He got sent yeah. down. But oh, that's he's right. Been, he, yeah. Yeah, I think he played in the Friday game and then was sent yeah. down. But. Yeah, but he's been good. He's been he's been a really valuable um like just just like left like second lefty. Um I would argue that him like all of the lefties have been better than the one lefty they have up right now in Rodriguez. I would I think I would take Sheriff or uh Bernardino over him at this at this exact moment. Yeah, Not we'll, that I'm biased just... towards Sheriff or anything. <laughs> We can discuss that a little bit more whenever Hogdale reads the trust meter later, but uh, let's move on into the, the second game of this series, which was a, a much closer game than the first one. The final score was two to one. Uh, there was not much offensive firepower from either team. Uh, the Diamondbacks opened scoring with a home run in the, in the bottom of the first off of Whitlock. Who and everybody was great. sending Whitlock back to the pad. I, I hate. He, I just. I genuinely hate everyone. Like really, I do. All. All of you. I hate all of you. <laughs> I, like Whitlock gave up that one home run, that one mistake. But then after that, he cruised. He he settled in and he he did his thing. And it was great that he was able to go out there and and give us five innings in this game and only allowed that one one little mistake. Um, but the Red Sox got two in the in the top of the fourth, and that was all for the scoring. And uh, how how was it that the Red Sox scored that? that winning run in this game. Does anybody remember? Um, I think they gave the uh, Diamondbacks a free out. They did on, on, on what was it? A sacrifice, not, not a fly, uh, not, not a, not a hit to the warning track, but uh, what was a it? Boomp? I think it's called a, a boomp. boomp. Is, is it a boomp? Boomp. Boomp. Yeah. A, boot, a bunt. It was a bunt. 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 That's the word. That's the word. A bunt. Um, which according to some people, Tim, that is the worst play in baseball, but yet it allowed the Red Sox to score a run, which ended up being the winning run in a baseball game, which is a sport where you try to score more runs by any means necessary than the other team to win the game. So turned out it was a pretty valuable play. Yeah, it worked there. Um, it's, I, I don't know how I feel about it because like, you know, like, yes, that was a good bond that it paid off, but what if McGuire had gotten up and he had like hit the ball over everything and it was a grand slam? Yeah. I mean, what if he struck out or grounded into a double play? Exactly. Exactly. And I think that was more like they were trying. McGuire's apparently one of the best bunchers in the league. Like if you look at his, uh, by the numbers for it. So the move absolutely made sense. Like I'm not saying, like I'm saying more that it was a good situational move with specifically Reese McGuire than say if like, you know, if like Raffy Devers came up and anytime Raffy shows bun and he does it semi frequently, like I just want to like strangle him. I'm like, dude, stop, stop it. We're paying you three hundred million dollars. Stop showing bunt. <laughs> so Hogdale, what is uh, Reese McGuire's bunt dip? His bunt dip? I you know, couldn't tell you. Not that much no. of a nerd, sadly. <laughs> uh, I I, I want to know what his uh, bunting average is for bunting in play. Yeah, what's his X bunt? His X bunt <laughs> is that a real number? Probably. <laughs> it needs. It needs to be. If not, it yeah. needs to be. Can I just say though, like about this game is like there's been a lot of years in the previous where the Red Sox just simply could not hang or win a game like this one. Just a two two one grinded out game from your like your your bullpen. It's just nice that like they can just do this now. It's like 
a thing they can reliably do. Like, well, we get we just got guys that we can pull out there, give you reliable innings, and hold the other team to one singular run. Yeah, Grinding was, out. Go ahead. That was my immediate thought too. Was that they got five very good innings out of Whitlock, who, um, you know, it was his first start after an injury and gave up that home run. And, no, send him and down. Just, Stinks. Yeah. One run. <laughs> Disgusting. A real starter would have uh, retired all of them. It would have been a perfect game. Would have been a perfect game. Um, Shit. But then having Crawford come out and go two and a third, and then he took that. You see that play he made where it like got lined off of his ankle? That was oh, yeah. Nuts. That was like the play of the year, and nobody cares because of Derek White uh, like winning that game for the Celtics. Like, nobody, That's so tragic. Just that, immediately forgot about it. Literally. Um, yeah, and that, then, yeah, that was that was a wild play, that little shovel down the first baseline. Oh, yeah. And it was like, like With, I, I always wonder when that happens. If they're if they're in pain or they don't feel the pain from that until after the play is over, like there's just like all the adrenaline and everything. I, I think it's just that like oh I gotta go and then after like everything settled down it's like okay ow that actually really hurt like <laughs> yeah, yeah but that was just... a great play. Cassis also we were talking about Cassis's defense him even being there to make that yeah. stretch and he made a really nice stretch on it but that was that was an absurd play that had like no right to be made. Um, yeah, and Cassis made a very good stretch and scoop on it. So that was, there was, that was an, very there was another good play that uh, Cassis made where he he picked a ball that that honestly should have been uh, a infield single between first and second, but he got to it and started to turn a double play. But I, I think it was Whitlock or no, it was uh, Crawford that was on the mound and he didn't cover first. Wow! And they did they didn't get the double play because of it and. But Cassis made a really good stab and and throw to second base to almost get them out of that inning. No, yeah, but he stinks. <laughs> I, I I think I've said this before, and I will say it again. At every minor league stop he's had, Cassis took about had about two months where he was either bad or kind of mid, and then something clicks two to three months, and he does so well he got promoted. So I'm. Fully expecting something to click in June for him. And that's Not the, that he's been bad in May, but I'm expecting something to click in June. And that's the exact reason, like, why his minor league numbers are skewed and they don't look as good as you think, like, you know, the level of prospect he is, like, was. Because, like, yeah, he he needs a little bit to figure it out. And once he figures it out, he's a monster. Yeah, exactly. Speaking, speaking of uh, minor league players advancing through the uh, the system, Marcelo Meyer, anybody? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that was as 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 person that is that 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 follows prospects uh, regularly. That was um, that was a surprise. I did not think it was going to happen until late June. That like, there's a real depending on how he does. Obviously, like, there's a the, the separation between high A and double A has never been different. It's never been greater. Um, like with the COVID season, with short season A no longer existing. It's never been greater. So this is going to be a big test for him. And we've seen guys who did really well in high A struggle when they get to double A, like um, uh, Nico Cavadas, who has, who took off this month. He, he's hit like eight home runs or something in the month of May, but he was not great when he first got there. Uh, Chase Madroff has struggled a little bit since his call up. There, there are plenty of guys that that happens with. So it's going to be a test. But if he, you know, if he plays well, we're going to be seeing him much sooner than we or thought. Early triple, <laughs> triple A, early April, like early May at the absolute latest. Like that's, that's pretty cool. And the thought of him 
Mayer is going to be the second youngest player in double-A. Nick York, the second baseman, is the sixth youngest in double-A. The thought of a young infield like that, both guys are, who are first-rounders who could... I mean, Nick York's having a good year. Um, he was he was playing through, like, three injuries last year. And he's been, the batting average isn't quite there, but he's drawing walks. He's hitting for power. His defense has looked a ton better. That Sea Dogs team is absolutely stacked right now. Um, they are... They're really good. And that's even after they've like had their best pitcher promoted to triple A and Shane Drohan. Like that's that is that is a, a really good team. If you get get the chance to see the Portland Sea Dogs play this year, you're gonna have you're gonna have some fun. I sure wish we had a president of baseball operations that knew how to build a farm system that could win. Dude, yeah, there's another, there was another move too that um came last night as well, which is uh Theo Denlinger, I don't know if you guys uh, recall him. He is that guy that they got in return for Franklin German when they DFA'd him. Um, he is also being promoted to AAA to make uh, like to open a space for Mayer there. So the AAA bullpen has not been great this year, um, but he's had he's pitched very well at AA. He's very he's a very big guy. He's like six foot five, I think. Um, doesn't I can't, he'll get his strikeouts, but he's more of a ground ball specialist. He's like a like a, a real worm burner, if you will. Um, I get, and I don't know if this is the most accurate um, um, like comparison, but do you guys remember Matt Albers? Oh yeah, I I do not. He was um, like in the mid two thousands, I think, like a little like around like two thousand nine, two thousand ten. He was like a middle reliever who had a couple of good years through a lot of a uh, lot of induced a lot of ground balls. Uh, that's who he sort of reminds me of, except for he's a blacksmith, which is cool. Okay. Yeah. That was around the time whenever I was uh, just getting into my Marine Corps career and wasn't following the team as closely as uh, I have in years past. Well, so you um, probably miss Bobby Jenks too, then. I remember that name. I do remember <laughs> that name. Bobby um, Jenks looked like a juggalo. <laughs> So and and in typical Red Sox fashion on the weekend, and just like in the Austin Powers movies, the first two games were were very good, and then the third not so good. Uh, not a big fan of Goldmember. Um, no, me neither. But in the in the Sunday finale of this game, the Red Sox lost two to four to the Diamondbacks, and uh, it was basically all Diamondbacks pretty much all game and then the Red Sox tacked on a couple runs late to try to make it interesting but just never were able to to come back. Any takeaways I, from I, this I just, one? I disagree a little bit with your assessment that it was all Diamondbacks all game just because they got all four runs in like the first two innings and then after that True. They didn't really And then it was anything. it was just kind of a, a just a boring like nothing yeah. going on really game. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah that's just, that's fair. I mean, how did what Hauk usually does, and he had one or two innings where he didn't really have it, and then he was pretty dominant for the other ones. Um, I, he only went uh, four. He only went four, yeah, which I was I would have liked to have seen him go the fifth. It was not his best outing. It was not anything close to his best outing. But when this offense is on like all cylinders, four runs is plenty to at least keep them in the game, and it kind of felt like it got out of reach in a, in a, in a hurry there. Um, yeah. I'm not jumping. I think I might be being a little like defensive of Hauk just because I don't 
like this. I don't like that when either him or Whitlock or like literally anybody has a bad outing. It's like send him to the bullpen. No, it's, it's so like, annoying. Can we just talk about that for a second? Can we stop with like fucking every time like Garrett Whitlock or Tanner Houck like have a sub like good game? It's an entire referendum on their career. Like <laughs> holy shit, dude. You can't do it after every game. Like, can you just like hold off? Like, maybe like wait for a few month month assessment. No. Oh, he gave up like Whitlock, especially man. Gave up a run in the first inning. Wow, bullpen. Hi, I'm idiot again. Look at this idiot. Like fucking. And he proceeds to shove every inning afterwards because I I just I can't stand these dudes, man. You can't make every single game a referendum. It can't be. Like it just it simply cannot be. That's not how things work. You have to wait to see a full body of work. You sound stupid. Yeah, I mean, with Kluber and Pavetta getting moved to the pen, it was after, like, a month and a half of, like, not having any good starts. You had a couple where they were serviceable and they got through, like, six innings, but there was no point where Pavetta or Kluber looked like they were going to be reliable starters for this team. Um, And it's like, I'm fine with them not being DFA, I'm fine with them in the pen. It's great that they have that depth if, if and when people get hurt. Like, I'm not... I'm not convinced Sale Paxton Whitlock are going to be able to stay healthy all season. So you have to have like the extra arms there, but the way that people act, it's like you want a two man rotation. You want Chris Sale and Brian Bayo and everyone else is in the pen. And like, you can't, Dude, you can't if, do if that. If Corbin Burns was like a Red Sox when he was transitioning, like from bullpen to starter, like he never would have been a starter. Like they would have moved him back to the bullpen after like three starts. He was like, so bad when they first tried to transition him. He was and, he was like really bad. It's and like then you, you all sound like, dumb. Stop. Holy shit. Use your brain for five seconds. I know it's hard, you know, to make the neurons fire, but like you can do it. I believe in you. Holy shit. I need that on a I need that on a t-shirt. You can do it. Holy shit. I believe in you. <laughs> oh man. It's just it's so annoying, dude. It's just so annoying. <laughs> oh god. So any any other takeaways that you guys want to have for this uh the final game? I know we mentioned Pavetta going three strong was uh that's a good sight to see him going out there and, and getting a zero in the earn run column hasn't happened many times this season for Pavetta to go out there and actually look like a major league pitcher, but it is nice that he's figuring things out. Maybe the bullpen is going to be good for him. I mean, we're I, I, go ahead. Oh, Vance. Sorry. Ed, sorry. I, there's one thing that um, I don't think people really like talking about it. Rafi has not been doing his job. Um, he really didn't in this series. His, like his power has been good. But his approach has been—I feel like he's gotten way too home run happy. We saw it at the beginning of the um, of this road trip. He hit like the two home runs, and it seems like he's just been trying to do that ever since. And hey, he hey Ed, hey Ed, I'm about yeah. to own you with facts and logic. Facts, facts and logic, fuck. Facts and logic. Oh, because I oh thought no. the same thing, but then I saw someone actually pull up Rafael Devers' batted ball profile. Like you know, like you see, is anything different from previous seasons? The answer is no. He's the exact same hitter. The only problem is, is that his BABIP, batting average on balls in play, his career average is 310. Guess what it is this year? Uh, I'm going to guess like two, 230. Yeah, two, like 235. I think it's 235 or 240. <laughs> so in terms of batted balls and like swing decisions, and when you look at like the, the numbers, he's the same hitter. He's just getting, he's, he's getting extraordinarily like unlucky. 
And like, even like the walks are explained because like his swing decisions are still good. So, <laughs> so like, he's making contact. It just seems like he like, have you noticed this when he bats? The first pitch, he almost, it doesn't matter where the ball is. He, he almost always seems to try to hit the first pitch out of the park, like regardless. I, but I don't think that's a new thing to, though. Like, freaking, like I, I really do believe in like Rafael Devers. Like the thing is like, he has the added expectations now because he's a fucking $300 million man. He got the bag, but like the, I would criticize him more if like his batted ball data didn't suggest he's literally the same hitter, but he's unlucky right now. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what, Hopdale? I, I appreciate the correction there because I was getting so frustrated with Rafi yesterday, but I don't blame you. Day, I don't yeah, blame but... anyone. Like, cause no one's going to look at that under the surface when you're watching the games. Cause like the results just aren't there right now. Trust well, it me. Also just, Sometimes his swings are just look so like like oh they're bad when they're bad they're bad but it's always been like that like fucking because <laughs> yeah, like well, when he decides you. he's going he's going <laughs> well thank you thank you for um for 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 soothing that annoyed part of me who who lo- like you know like I'm not in the mode of like cut Raffy why do we give him all this money it's like dude what it, my my thought was more like dude dude get it together so like, when I saw that data I was like fucking okay he's gonna be fine. Like it'll even out eventually because like, again, like when he hits the ball, he hits the shit out of it. And his, all of his batted ball data says he's the same hitter, but he's unlucky this year. I think him going back to Fenway will help too. Like they've been on the road for a while. And I think we sometimes underestimate how helpful like that big, that big wall is in left. Yeah. And again, while his batting has like not been like up to its normal par, like again, in terms of fielding, he's a brand new person. Like again, he's like 80th yeah. percentile outs above average. <laughs> yeah, he's been like a really reliable third baseman, and I don't, I don't know if he's ever going to be Adrian Beltre, but like if he's just an above average defensive third baseman, that adds so much value to him. Like, yeah, I mean, once he starts hit, hitting again, like his normal self, which he will, like, there's like, there's no, he's he's the same guy. And it was, it's like a, a con- Raphael Devers in terms of like hitting the ball is genuinely Mister Consistent, like uh last year like his numbers like took like a power dip in comparison to other seasons why literally just because the previous season like had a juiced ball like all of his batted ball statistics were the exact same like he was hitting the ball the exact same amount the exact same mileage but the ball wasn't juiced so it wasn't leaving <laughs> just put him in the bullpen that'll fix everything true literally brandon just has the fucking the truth for everything that, that, that seems to be the answer for everything else, you know, at, at least for Red Sox Twitter. Just put him in the bullpen. That's where it belongs. But yeah, so anyone who's worried about Rafael Devers, just look at the like the numbers on his batted ball data. He'll be fine. He, he's going to be fine. So, you know, let's let's go ahead and shift gears a little bit here and let's uh, let's discuss the Red Sox trustometer. Which, the trustometer? Uh, has, the Ed Hands. Ed Hand's uh, frequently updated trustometer. This one from yesterday. Uh, Can I say something today- really quickly before we jump into this? And I don't know if you guys saw this, but somebody else has been making a trustometer. Oh, really? <laughs> and it's like they they t- will tag me, and it will be like inspired by Ed Hand's trustometer, and it's the exact same fucking thing. And what? Like, Love that guy. And it's like I'm not bothered by it because it's like, hey, do whatever. But it's just like. Don't say it's inspired by my thing if you're like just copying it. Like, just say that it's my thing if you wanted to do it. Like, like plagiarized from Ed Hand. 
Yeah, like it's not. I'm not going to be mad or anything. It's just like, is that how I know that I've made it? If like I have imitators, setting uh, my phone to steal. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So here we are. We're back. Ed Hands Trust Trustometer 2023 May 28th at number eight. We got Corey Kluber, who is here because I like. Has he even had a bullpen appearance yet? Has <laughs> not. No. So we don't know. He's an unknown. The unquantifiable and unknown is inherently untrustworthy. So we can't. My trust question him yet. is: is like now that we don't have a pitcher with the initials RB in the bullpen, like who is going to be the first one out of this group to to end up in the shadow realm? Literally, it's going to be huge to find out. Jo- Joely Rodriguez, yes, yeah, Joely Rodriguez is tracking at the moment. <laughs> Speaking of him, number seven, Joely Rodriguez. Uh, uh, please pitch better. <laughs> he's had like for every good outing he's had, he's had one where he like it's like I'm watching Jake Deakman again, and I just don't want to do it. Literally, it's like brother. Like uh, we've looked at your statistics year to year. Uh, your sinker velocity is ticking down. What's up with that? Can you can you stop? Throw the ball harder. Can you simply throw the ball harder? <laughs> Idiot. So we move on to number six. <laughs> Justin Garza has been a pleasant surprise. I think he's looked pretty pretty decent out there. We, we like him. He's cool. I like Garza. It's like him and Pavetta are kind of, it's like almost if, if this were to be in tiers, I think Jolie and Kluber would be one tier. And then Garza and Pavetta would be the next tier. Because they've both been like it was kind of tough for me to decide on this one, but I like you know, Pavetta won three scoreless innings, so Speaking, wow, segueing. Look at this podcast. We're the segue capital. Professional. Professional. Number five, we got Nick Pavetta. He's up a spot because, yeah, he had a three inning outing and he, maybe he's going, he's tracking to do what Nick Pavetta usually does, which is either be the worst pitcher of all time and then he is the best pitcher of all time. So maybe we're starting the best pitcher of all time arc of his season, which will last can, at least a month or two. Can we just can we just acknowledge that this might have been the best entire week of Nick Pettit, Nick Pavetta's season? You know, he went he stopped by the Boston Children's Hospital and and got a bunch of publicity from that. The, the official Red Sox Twitter tweeted out pictures of him hanging out with kids, and then he moves up one spot on Ed's trustometer. Best week of you know, his I'm, season. I'm glad that he was able to like, describe himself as a stopper stopping at the Children's Hospital because he certainly was not a stopper when he was in the Red Sox rotation. <laughs> so we move on. Oh, bird. Boom. We move on to number four. Cutter. Cutter Crawford. Who is at number four? Pretty much because the other three guys are like immaculate and have no flaws with them right at the moment. Because Cutter Crawford's been great. Like, I really just, no complaints. Like, he's just been consistent two three inning guy in the bullpen filling the 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 garrett whitlock role of uh like the last two seasons so i it's just nice to see like a guy like him at the four spot like keep it up cutter we love you at number three i'm telling you him him fielding his position on that one uh line out that bounced off of him and then he he scooped it up on the first baseline and and shoveled it to casas that might be one of the plays of the year but i think ed said nobody really cares because the Celtics also had like a buzzer beater <laughs> that night Literally. and nobody paid attention to it. Like Gr- Greg Maddox saw Cutter Crawford field that and was like, yeah, maybe I was a pretty shit fielder. Like maybe I kind of <laughs> sucked. So uh, it, it was very tough to decide with the top four, by the way, it's like kind of a struggle. Each it's week. brutal. Like, yeah, Cause all four of these guys have been lights out. And number three, we got Kenley Jansen who had a really solid, like just Kenley Jansen outing in this diamondback series. I think he, 
he earned that three spot. Again, his only blemishes on the season are those two games where he was actively trolling, like after hitting save 400. And like, can you blame him? Because really, like he was probably, you know, hitting that celebratory champagne bottle a bit too hard after save number 400, which I think we can all forgive. Like that's a, that's a distinctly human thing you can do. So it's like comes into the game after doing a keg stand. Yeah. It's like, fucking, like who can blame him? So good job, Kenley at number three. Good for you. At number two, Chris Martin. He literally has not done a bad thing the entire season. He's yeah, been. It's really hard going back and forth between Martin and Winkowski. Like, like I, it's just because Winkowski has so many more innings. Honestly, in terms of like a single bullpen signing, like Chris Martin may have been like the best signing of the off season. Like he has he had a bad outing? Has he like he had, had a single bad outing? He had that one where Brandon Lowe had like a. 12 pitch at bat and ended up hitting what turned out to be a game winning home run against him against Tampa. But that was also when Tampa was like not losing any game ever. Man, 12 pitch at that's brutal. Like, man, yeah, like that, I, that was like the only one though. I just got like no, like no complaints about Chris Martin. Dude's just been phenomenal. Like, uh, fantastic signing. And at number one, Josh Winkowski, who was a bum because he gave up one run in three innings. You stink. Fucking how dare you take up number one spot in the trust meter? You disgust me. <laughs> Wow. Wow. A lot of animosity coming in for Wink for that one one run. run. Yeah. How's it? Was a run. It was you like Han Gil. You know what? Like you have a secret admirer and you just feel bad for her. So like you go out <laughs> on a date with her out of pity. That's what that was. That was a pity run. Well, so yeah, Josh Winkowski, clean it up. Like one run. Enough of this one run bullshit. <laughs> Mercy is for the weak. Fucking pathetic. <laughs> So that was the trust of Uh I like it. it brought, brought to you by uh, Sapphire, because she's a good dog, and she's sponsored. Oh, she is a good girl. I think, you know, speaking of good girls, and, and Ed was talking earlier about saying hello to all of the dogs that he encounters in Mexico City. It's sad that this is this is probably the first episode ever where Penny's not going to make an appearance. This is so no. sad. No, she isn't. She is uh, having a nice time at home with her cousin doggies. Uh, I bought her a little... I'm going to show you guys what I bought her at, from a vendor. It's for formal occasions. It's a little bow tie. Aw. That's cute. Yeah, that was <laughs> my my gift for her. Um, and maybe I'll find her another thing today, but yeah, she's now gonna she has no excuse not to come to church or whatever. She's going to be very jealous when she listens back to this and hears that you were hanging out with other doggies in Mexico City. Oh, God, City. I know. She's very, she's very jealous, but also she's a dog, so she can't do anything about it. <laughs> All right, guys, let's let's uh, discuss who we think this, and I think this might be the best conversation of the entire podcast. Let's discuss who we think is the, the hit stick and the son of a pitch. The hit stick. Um, <laughs> hit stick? Big stick, stick, brother. I, I, big, big stick. stick. I, I keep thinking Madden. Madden. The, Mad, the Madden hit stick. Yeah. Uh, the big stick of the of the series. <sighs> Who's going? That's first? a good one. Yeah, uh, it is a good one. I don't want to start. I'll start because I do have an answer. Okay. I'm going with the dude who I'm pretty sure is the only dude on the team who registered a hit in all three games. And also had one really good game where he went three for five, and that is Tristan Cassis. He was Mr. Consistent. He, uh, like I said, he had a hit in every game. He also had a game where he went three for five. 
I went, I went, to, I wanted to pick Justin Turner, but he had a game where he went over five. So really, he's a bum. Stinks. So let's go with Tristan Cassis, the big lad. Fucking uh, his he, better style than me. Like I can't pull off the finger. Uh, you know, okay. nail polish, all the fun shit. I can't pull that off. I'm not nearly as fabulous. I think that's a fair pick, but I'm going with somebody a little different and that, and this is to my great surprise that I am picking him, but Kike Hernandez, uh, he had yeah. the home running game one. He had one of two RBIs in the second game. He's been drawing walks. He's been getting on base. It was a good, it's not, I, I think that Cassis might've had the better offensive uh, series. I actually think uh, Yoshida had a pretty good offensive series too, but I thought that where uh, Kike got his hits was, was the most significant. So I'm going Kike. Yeah, both both are good suggestions. And uh, originally coming into this, I was kind of hoping that we would all be on the same page and pick Reese McGuire for that epic bunt. <laughs> um, ju- just just to troll Tim. Tim. Just Purely to troll Tim. 100%. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I can't do that in, in good faith because I do want us to have a definitive winner of this uh, today. And Wow. Kike and Thud are both excellent uh, choices this week. Kike did have the clutch home run, uh, big hits all throughout, but I do think that I'm going to go with with Cassis because he was he was consistent. The bats finally starting to uh, to work for him. He had a couple doubles. I think he had five total bases in in the game where Kike had the home run. Uh, so he. Yeah, he did. He had five total bases, and Kike only had four in that game. So for that reason alone, Thud is going to be the uh, the big stick of the week. That's his first web. Yeah, let's go. Oh, first of many. Put him in the bullpen. <laughs> People who like Red Sox fans who don't watch the games are seething right now. <laughs> and. For me, the son of a pitch. Oh man, uh, there there are a few different candidates that we could go with on this one, but the one that I'm going to go with is Mr. Garrett Whitlock, and it's simply because he coming back off of injury, he gave up that one home run in the first inning, kind of got the nerves out of the way, and then settled in and he shoved, and a healthy Whitlock is excellent for this team going forward because that gives us three to four solid stuff solid starters and we'll take that we'll take that i'm giving my son of a pitch to garrett whitlock as well and i just want to say like uh everyone was doubting this rotation coming into the year and now it's rounded out to be a pretty pretty damn good like like chris hale's back to form james paxton seems to be back to form Brian Bayo is starting to become the guy we all know he can be. And I have a lot of faith in Garrett Whitlock. And if Tanner Houck's the worst dude in your rotation, you're doing a lot of things right. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm going, it's going to be unanimous with Whitlock. Uh, he's our uh, son of a pitch this week. The leaderboards for the season uh, for son of a pitch and for uh big stick. Um, Raphael Devers is still the leader for, um, uh, for the big stick, he's got four of them. Um, second place is a tie because a bunch of guys have only done it once, and that's uh, Duval has one, Yoshida has one, Verdugo has one, and Cassis now has one. Um, 
Let's and then for the uh, the son of a pitch, the leader is still Kedley Jansen with three, although he also has one poop sock. Yep. Um, and then after that, Whitlock and Sale are actually tied with two, and then Winkowski has one. So that's it with the our pitchers. We also need our who's our poop sock for this week. I really think there's only one choice. I mean, he didn't even show up to work for two of the games. And I did defend Rafael Devers with the batted ball data, but he's still like, like he simply didn't, did not show up this series. Like he didn't show up for two games. Then he, he actually showed up and then proceeded to not show up while also showing up. How do you even do that? He gets his first poop sock of the year. Cause at the end of the day, you are making $300 million and this is a results-based business. Do better. It's really, really <laughs> funny that, each of our highest for the uh, big stick and so, uh, and son of a pitch are also have a poop sock. Yeah, and they both deserved it. Like, yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. Corey Kluber's just chilling with them. Yes. Yeah, Corey Kluber's like ah, I'm just chilling with my poop sock with no <laughs> son of a pitches, so, and I'm just gonna be here in the bullpen rotting away. But yeah, I gotta say, yeah, Raphael Devers gets the poop sock, and uh, that wrap, that wraps up the award section, which is nice. Nice little bow on that. Nice little bow. So what do we have next? It looks like coming up is uh, the Reds. Is that who we play next? Yeah. yeah. Can I just mention, though, before we like, talk about the next series, that uh, uh, there's no. like a few guys. Uh, wow. Damn. I guess I'll <laughs> leave. This sucks. Uh, <laughs> uh, Low-key, this series, like a few guys, like after a bit of a slump, are starting to uh, look a bit better again. Uh, Doogie looked really good this series. Uh, you know, got some hits in there. Uh had a game where he went over two and drew two walks. Seems like he's starting to see the ball better again. Uh, I think Duran had a game this series where he had two hits. Like he's still slumping a bit, but it seems like he might be starting to dig himself out of that. And I, it just a uh, Connor Wong had a good series, just like, you know, little cleanup work here. I just, a lot of, a lot of good depth hitting from, from this team right now, which I've really enjoyed. And yeah, just Justin Turner again, another guy had a great series. And Yoshida's just quietly getting like two hits a game. Like he's yeah, absolutely yeah, like boring Yoshida stuff. Literally, the the power is really not there. But he's never really been a power player. Like, but he's he's he was described as an on base machine, and that's exactly what he's doing. So coming up in the next series against the Reds, uh, game one, which is tomorrow. Uh, May 30th for those keeping score at home. Uh, we have Bayo versus Lively. Um, Lively's two and two on the season with a two, six, five ERA only 18 strikeouts though. So that's interesting. He's not a strikeout guy. Um, and then in the Wednesday game, we have Weaver and Paxton. And then the finale will be green and sale. So sales making his, uh, return to the mound in this one and they're all going to be played in boston which uh hogdale referred to earlier is something that may be good for one rafael devers maybe he will not keep that poop sock for long what do we think in this series guys there's a potential sweep in here um so the first one was lively bayo uh yes yeah i think i don't care much for lively as a pitcher he's been kind of a journeyman doing well to start with cincinnati i think that he's overdue for some regression and the red Sox are going to uh induce that re regression in him so i think the Sox take that one i absolutely uh, agree i mean yeah uh, i like the red Sox a lot in this series i think they're geared to uh 
this is like a series where you can really just start to put it all together. Cause I just, mm. uh, I just don't think this slump lasts very long with the offense. I just, uh, I believe in their ability too much. And the, the pitching, like I said, has really started around it into form. So I, I really like them in this first game, especially. Yeah. Just going back to Fenway, I think is going to help. This team's literally yeah. built to play in Fenway. Yeah. <laughs> so then game two is Paxton against Luke Weaver. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I'm going to be at that game, which is neat. Um, but I don't think much of Luke Weaver. Um, I think that he's pretty pretty mediocre. They gave him like a $2 million one-year deal, and he's pitched like that. Um, I mean, Paxton wasn't great his last start, but I think he's better than Weaver. And um, it's not even that the Reds are... I think the Reds are a better team than people think they are. I just don't think those are good matchups for them. So I think the first two definitely go to the Red Sox. And then game three, uh, Sale versus Hunter Green. That's the tough one because Green is uh, Green is a closer that happens to start. Um, he's really impressive. He's throwing everything like 103 miles an hour. He, I think, was working on his changeup and just become like, you know, the stats might not completely show it, but that is that is a very difficult guy to hit. So, you know, um, Sale's going to have to be on his A game to go toe-to-toe with that guy because Green, Green can pitch. Uh, I don't like predicting sweeps, uh, but... Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Reds pull that one off because the Sox haven't been great at finishing series this year. I don't think it's gonna be Sales' fault though. I just I, I think Green is really good, and I think they'll figure that one out. I don't think that the Reds are like that much. Of, I don't think the Reds are a joke team. I just think that they're not quite ready to compete yet. So yeah, I'm going two out of three. Hogdale. Yeah, I like a sweep. I like a sweep. <laughs> Especially, like, got to get one for the weekday crew. These guys need joy in their they life. They had a sweep. They had the Toronto Yeah, they need another sweep. one. They've had too many lost series, and I feel bad for them. They need a sweep. I don't think give a shit anytime one of our series lose. Like, they, you know, like, they can they can deal with it. We have to deal with it when our guys lose. Plus, so the Reds they, are mediocre they, they right do. now, but but to me, like, I think by the end of the season, they'll end up being a joke team. Like, I think they're one of those teams where they're going to hit, like, a massive losing stretch. Because the morale around that entire organization isn't great because they have probably some of the worst ownership in the entire league where their ownership just actively has a contempt for its fans, almost Oakland A's-esque. So, you know, fuck the Reds. Uh, fuck Reds' ownership and get swept, you losers. Wasn't uh, Nick Castellanos playing for the Reds whenever that viral moment happened with yep. Uh, yep. him hitting the home run in the middle of an apology? Yeah, yeah, that hilarity ensued. <laughs> so funny. Um. Yeah, so since this is a weekday uh, series, I'm going to predict that the the Reds win two out of three because that, <laughs> oh, that's just that's just the way that it goes this season. So sad. That's so funny. Oh no! Poor weekday crew, man. I uh, which I listened to their last episode and they they literally talked about the series for all of about five minutes. <laughs> And, and then they just talked about nonsense for the next hour and a half. I'd do that too. Is that how Tim ended up in the murder maze? Because I wasn't following that. Oh yeah. He, he started the episode saying that he was from, he was podcasting from the chamber that was Ed Han's basement. <sighs> and they were like, and they, they were like, dude, Ed's in Mexico. He's like, yeah, uh, that's how I was able to find my phone and be able to get on for the podcast today. <laughs> That's actually really it, funny. It, it, oh, it was pretty funny, and it was a bit that they kept going the entire episode. So I, I figured we had to bring it up again here today. 
Yeah. Um, well, does he know that I have a Minotaur in there? I don't think so. Maybe that'll oh, be a new development next week. He's going to yeah. learn today. <laughs> That's good to know. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, we didn't do three up, three down this week, but I do have a question for you guys, um, and it's because of, in honor of me being in Mexico, I've got two questions for you, too, okay? Okay. And if you could vacation in any country you haven't been to yet, which one would it be? Like a nice outing to Canada would be nice. I'm surprised you haven't been there. Yeah, I know. I, I've never, I've never been to Canada. It's either there or I'd love to go to Japan. Like yeah, Japan would be the top on my list. Japan would definitely be a contender. I, I think Australia or New Zealand would be up there on my list as well. I'm not trying to be murdered by the fucking Manticore that are down there. <laughs> you win some, you lose some. I think Brandon would be able to like in hand to hand combat take a Manticore. So I, think I agree. Be, yeah. That would make sense. Uh, no, with Japan, my like dream vacation would be to go there for three weeks and just go to every Japanese baseball stadium. I think that would be that'd be awesome. Be I'd love to be down there when the uh, when the sakura are in full bloom. See the nice cherry trees. Cherry cool. trees. So, question two is: Who is your favorite baseball player to come from a country other than the U.S. or Canada? David Ortiz, the Dominican Republic's not even close. <laughs> I fucking love Big Poppy so much, dude. I'd kill for that man. Like when the news came out, like when he got shot, I was genuinely devastated. Like I was like, that was crazy. That yeah. was so. I wasn't on Twitter at the time, but that was so upsetting. I was fucking so upset. I'm like, please, for the love of God, anyone but him. Fucking take me instead. Holy shit. Like I love that man. <laughs> yeah, the the Poppy getting shot thing was wild. Uh, oof. Um, I really liked Ichiro. Yeah, I, that's a good I, pick. I, I thought just him coming over here from Japan and basically being the Pete Rose of our generation. You know, if if you add up all of the hits that he had in the Japanese professional league and major league baseball, he has more professional baseball hits than Pete Rose. I know they don't count it like that because major right. league baseball is its own thing or whatever, but he's, he's basically the modern day hit King and, he played the game right his entire career and um, just seemed like an all-around good dude. Better, he's like a better Pete Rose in every way. Like, no gambling addiction, no statutory rape. I like... like what a great guy. So, and this is going to differ from you, from that great guy thing, but I've, I've always seen Ichiro Moore as being like Ty Cobb, where, like, <laughs> if he, he, he was so talented that oh, if no. he wanted to be a home run hitter, he could have been, but he just kind of chose not to be. Ty Cobb, yeah. yeah. Ty Cobb, not good great guy. guy. Yeah, no, <laughs> what a guy. Talent Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Ed? Who's who's your favorite non-American uh, baseball player? So it's tough because, you know, there, like there's Ortiz, there's, um, there's Ichiro, there's Pedro Martinez, but I have to go Hideo Nomo because Nomo was the first... Nobo introduced me to the world of international baseball, um, okay. and that there was like a there was a bigger world than just MLB and guys playing in MLB. And um, I just I remember the year that he came to the Red Sox was what it was like. That was around that I was really really getting into baseball, like really really into it. And I remember that no hitter in his first start um, when he came over here, and it was like it was just spectacular. 
it's just it, it, it was just it was just absolutely amazing and uh yeah i followed nobo even after boston like he had like a nice uh reemergence with the dodgers and just you know he really broke that barrier for pitchers coming back over here after like i think the last guy had come over in like the 60s that uh was uh, murakami so yeah hideo nobo for me that's cool. Yeah, it's a good one. I, another guy, he's not really my favorite because he he didn't really do enough to warrant being a favorite, but a guy that was very exciting whenever the Red Sox signed him was Daisuke Matsuzaka. Yes. I, I remember uh, staying up until like 4 o'clock in the morning just to watch a baseball game that was, was going to be live in Japan. And brother, if, if you think the West Coast games are hard to stay up for, <laughs> staying up for a 4 a.m. start time for a baseball game, that's intense. Dude, I know what you're talking about because I was living in Arizona at the time of that start, and I stayed up for it. So it yep. was, I think, like 2 or 3 in the morning there. Yep. Yeah. I, in hind- hindsight, I probably should have went to bed and set an alarm to wake eh. up. But, eh. but you know, that that that's what, uh, that's what partying is for, right? Keep you up yeah. the whole time. All right, so uh, that's all we have for this episode. Do you guys want to add anything else? Give any shout-outs? Shout-out to El Huizzo, who are meeting tonight uh, to watch the Celtics game. Uh, Got his Worcester Red Sox hat to give to him. And uh, thank you for being flexible when I got food poisoned yesterday, Huizzo. Rough times in Mexico City. But that's cool that you get to see Huizzo. Send him our love and tell him we all said what's up. Hogdos, any shout outs? Uh no. <laughs> no. Shout out to nobody. <laughs> shout out to me, Hogdale. Yeah, shout out to fucking me. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. If you made it this far, please uh go like, subscribe, and uh leave reviews for us. Uh Brad's really wanting to try to get some new reviews on on the podcast podcast platform. So if, if you're listening to this. Please take a moment, pull over on the side of the road, leave a review, and uh, uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys next time. We out. Yeah.